Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Are You Ready with Joanne Molinaro. Last week, we met with Kim Julie Hansen, whose wanderlust combined with an innate sense of curiosity led her around the world, starting when she was just a teenager. Her story, like everyone else's, is filled with ups and downs, wins and losses, joys and grief. But one of the most inspiring things about Kim Julie's story is the track record she's authored. On Instagram? No. I'm speaking of Kim Julie's almost sorceress-like ability for overcoming self-doubt. And I'm not talking about bravado or arrogance or even the ever-elusive confidence. Kim Julie's story is riddled with profound moments of doubt, second-guessing, and the all-too-pernicious imposter syndrome. And yet... She manages to climb out of the deep end with something a lot less intimidating than determination, but much more realistic, a sense of adventure. But not everyone's built like that. I'm not. My decisions are based so much in fear and anxiety, a gritty sort of resolve to meet whatever goals I set for myself, not because it's fun, but for the same reason I like to check off all the boxes on my daily task list. As a result, self-doubt is practically an old friend, a more loyal companion than any spouse, a true life partner in some respects, because I can't remember a time in my life without it. And thus, the truth is this. If I didn't have people like Kim Julie in my life, I wouldn't be here talking with you today. And as you'll hear, I mean this quite literally. So, without further ado, let's get into it. A good friend once told me the following. I've had the most success in my life when someone close to me believed in me a little more than I believed in myself. Look, not all of us are David Goggins, and from what I gather, even David Goggins has had his moments of real self-doubt. One of the reasons that friendships are so important is because they offer the confidence boost we simply can't provide ourselves, day in and day out. And there's nothing wrong with leaning on that, being grateful for those who nudge us towards the sometimes elusive, I can. In fact, one of those friends might one day change your entire life. I started the Korean Vegan Instagram account in February 2016, shortly after going vegan. I posted photos of my vegan cookies, cakes, and pizzas, along with the recipes and the captions. And like a good Instagram citizen, I followed a bunch of other vegan food accounts for inspiration and the hope of building engagement. One of the accounts I followed was called At Best of Vegan, which boasted nearly a million followers at that time. Best of Vegan was a feature account. The person behind the account rarely, if ever, posted their own photos and recipes and instead featured the work of others. It soon became my dream to get featured on Best of Vegan, so you can imagine my delight when the person behind the account followed me back about two months into my Instagram journey. I remember shrieking and bouncing around like a balloon in my condo when at Best of Vegan liked one of my photos, a chocolate cake covered in sliced strawberries, 
catapulting my post into the three-digit heart range <laughs> for the very first time. For those of you who don't know, when a very large account likes one of your posts, it's more likely to be seen and liked by others. I didn't have any idea who the person was behind at Festa Vegan, but I respected them. Very few million follower accounts would take the time to not just follow, but like the posts of a hundred follower account. In 2017, I stopped posting recipes in the captions and started including stories about my family instead. I also started experimenting, you know, a lot more with moody or darker photos. Neither of these things lent themselves to being featured on Best of Vegans Instagram or anyone else's for that matter. I won't say I didn't care because that would be lying. Many times I agonized over whether I should just scrap my artistic ambitions and simply conform to what seemed to be working for everyone else. Bright backgrounds, overly saturated photos, and recipes and the captions. Luckily, though, I had a full-time job paying the bills and therefore I could afford to just do what I wanted when it came to the Korean vegan Instagram account, even if it meant toiling away in relative anonymity. And then... One day, I received a DM from the woman behind at Best of Vegan, asking me whether I'd be interested in joining her and a handful of other vegan food bloggers at an event at Expo East, one of the largest food expos in the nation. We scheduled a call to discuss logistics, and I can still remember how my hands were shaking as I answered the phone. How hard it was for me to not blurt out, are you sure you have like the right person in mind? I'm the Korean vegan with only 10,000 followers. Maybe I think you made a mistake. No, no, she was quite certain I was the right person. And in fact, even though the organizers of the event she was inviting me to required its participants to have at least 20,000 followers, she was forcing them to make an exception for me. This was the beginning of my friendship with Kim Julie, who, it turned out, had a background in literature and poetry, and who, it also turned out, really enjoyed the writing I appended to my Instagram posts, and who, it turned out, was working with a literary agent to publish her first book, and who, it turned out, really wanted me to write my own first book, and thus who, it turned out, would be delighted to introduce me to her literary agent. I met Charlie over the phone. He's based in England, and he said something I'll never forget. Well, sure, you could write a cookbook, but you don't have to. You could write a novel or a memoir or something else. I was sitting in my office, twirling the phone cord around my fingers, wondering, well, how the hell would I write anything other than a cookbook? I think I'll stick with a cookbook, I said, but one with lots of stories in it just like my Instagram account. We worked on a proposal together for nearly a year. Charlie shopped it around for about a week before we heard back from Penguin Random House. I signed a book deal later that year. I had 37,000 followers on Instagram. TikTok didn't even exist yet. The Korean vegan cookbook would go on to be a New York Times bestseller a James Beard Award winner, selling over 130,000 copies. That was the last I checked. Can you imagine 
what would have happened had I simply done what everyone else was doing? Discarded my writing for recipes in the captions and replaced my moody photos with bright, saturated pics of smoothie bowls? I have nothing against smoothie bowls or bright colored photos. It's just not me. In fact, it was precisely because I didn't do what everyone else was doing that ultimately led me to withdrawing from full-time partnership at the firm. If you've read my newsletters or listened to other episodes of the podcast, you'll know that the journey from lawyer to entrepreneur was a fairly long one. (laughs) Even after I signed my first book deal back in 2018, there were points along that path at which I was more determined than ever to being a rainmaking litigator. Of all the people in my life, Kim Julie was the most vocal and steadfast advocate for giving up my predictable day job and pursuing my dream job. Of all the conversations we had about the topic, the most memorable thing she said to me was this. No offense, because I know you're really good at what you do at the law firm, but I'm pretty sure your firm can find someone to do what you do if you leave. There is no one who can do what you do as the Korean vegan. There were many light bulbs that turned on to help guide my way. But Kim Julie, she came bearing a torch. As was the case with Kim Julie, my friendship with her literally changed my life. And as we discussed a couple of episodes ago, Getting vulnerable and opening ourselves up to friendships can have incredible and tangible benefits to our health. But it isn't always easy. There's this notion that being vulnerable is weak. Needing friendship, companionship, or help of any kind when it comes to our emotional well-being is itself a marker of frailty and possibly even cowardice. But what if the opposite is true? This week on Ask Joanne, we tackle a question by Samantha, a stay-at-home creator who begins to challenge the idea that she was taught growing up, that depression isn't real. It's just a mindset. I am a stay-at-home mother, but what feels like not by choice. My husband drives our only car to work, so I feel my life is in repeat cycle. I make macrame tapestry, and when I work, I am focused, in a zone that releases me from reality, my repeat cycle. When I am sucked back to reality by my daughter or husband, a heavy weight sets back in. Growing up, I was taught depression is not real, and it's just a mindset, So I've never had anyone to talk to about this dark space in my mind. Since my repeat cycle started, I feel it's gotten a lot worse. And being a mother, I can't stay in my escape of work. Do you have any advice for a stay-at-home creator going through what she feels to be depression? Samantha, first of all, I'm so sorry to hear you're going through such a rough time. Whether you call it depression or simply a mindset, it's clear that you're suffering. And I think that's what really matters, isn't it? 
Let's, for one second, remove the labels and simply describe what you're feeling and the possible results of those feelings. The fact that you came right out of the box and described your situation as not by choice suggests that someone or many someones may not be paying attention to your frustration, possibly for a long, long time. You also mentioned that when you're not permitted to work, but required to return to reality, you feel a heavy weight. This suggests not just emotional fatigue, but possibly even physical weariness, as if your body too is simply worn out from the repeat cycle. Now, speaking of repeat cycle, can you think of a more appropriate analogy for hopelessness? A sense that you are stuck without any hope of escape. Finally, you refer to the dark space in your mind, which suggests that you feel incredibly isolated and lost. In some, you feel unseen, frustrated, tired, helpless, hopeless, sad, and lonely. These are, in fact, all symptoms of depression. But... Let's put that label to one side again and merely consider what happens when people who have the same feelings and experiences as you continue to ignore them. I'm reminded of the time I took my family to Maui. My cousin Zenas, he got stung by a man of war, which is kind of like a jellyfish. I was off getting my nails done at the spa, so my then husband and my brother who were with him simply advised him to rub some sand in it and it'll be fine. But within a few minutes, his entire arm and back had swelled up like a puffer fish and he began to feel lightheaded. Finally, when it became obvious that everything was the opposite of fine, the boys took Zenas to the hospital, where he was treated by a medical professional and recovered the following day, though he refused to set foot, understandably, inside the ocean for the remainder of our trip. When we got home and we told his mother, my aunt, she turned to me apologetically and said, I'm so sorry, my son ruined your trip. She then smacked her son upside the head like it was somehow his fault that he had gotten stung. I share this story because it's very common that people who love you and mean well think the answer will always be, just rub some sand in it and you'll be fine. But the truth is, people who have the same feelings of isolation, helplessness, and invisibility as you describe, Samantha, have a much higher likelihood of contracting cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and arthritis. When unaddressed, these symptoms might impair your immunity, setting yourself up for chronic illnesses. And finally, one out of five people who share the symptoms you've described have attempted to end their lives. Whether you call it depression or a mindset, there are potentially grave consequences to simply rubbing some sand in it. The word depression, it's just a tool. It's a convenient box in which we can place all the feelings you've described so that we can keep track of them, monitor them, study them, and possibly get rid of them. And here's the thing. Many people who are much smarter and more experienced than you or I have studied that box and its contents. They've determined that depression is not a mood 
you can just get over. In fact, MRI scans have revealed that those with depression show changes to certain parts of their brain. Would your family tell you to just rub some sand in something that literally changed the size and shape of your brain? You call your work an escape. The question is, an escape from what? And this is a very important question, Samantha, and unfortunately, I have neither the skill nor the experience to answer this question with you in a way that would be responsible. But here's what I would advise. Please, talk to a counselor, therapist, or even someone at your church or place of worship, if you have one, who has experience helping people who might be struggling with feelings of sadness. And no, you do not have to tell your husband, your parents, your in-laws, your BFF, or anyone else if you don't want to. In fact, I would suggest you not tell anyone until you've gone ahead and spoken with a professional first. If you're hesitant to seek help, even anonymously, Try and reframe this. Think of this as just treating a really bad flu, a cut that hasn't healed properly, or a really gnarly toothache. If it were your child who was suffering from any one of these things, you'd be on that phone in a heartbeat. And here's the thing, Samantha. You deserve no less. Finally, The one beautiful silver lining in your message was, of course, your work. I thus quibble with your self-description as a stay-at-home mom because you are so much more than that, Samantha. Even if you didn't have your macrame, you'd still be so much more than just a mother, a wife, or a daughter. And as such, you deserve so much more than you are currently allowing for yourself. The universe is holding a box for you, one that is entirely different from the one you currently have, one that will inject your life with purpose, direction, and joy. But no one's going to just hand it to you because life, it doesn't work that way. So it may be scary, it might be hard, it might be unfamiliar, and it may even hurt. But I promise you this, Samantha, You are worth all of it. I think Samantha's struggle with accepting help, whether it's from a counselor, a friend, or even a family member, is incredibly relatable. And that brings us to a parting thought. There is no disputing that of all the cheerleaders in my life, Anthony remains the loudest, sometimes to an embarrassing degree. (laughs) If you haven't seen him in the sidelines of a race, you'll know what I mean. (laughs) People often ask me, what was that moment that you knew you should just leave your day job? The problem with that question is that it presupposes that once I knew, I knew, and there was no going back after that. Maybe that's true for other people, but that definitely wasn't true for me. Even after I made the decision to withdraw from partnership, I second, triple, quadruple guessed it to the point where Anthony started to get, you know, understandably annoyed. Look, at this point, I don't even care what decision you make, just make it and stick with it and be done with it, he'd say. He did say something, though, that finally plugged a hole in the ceaseless dribbling 
of self-doubt. We were sitting in the TV room of our home in Chicago. I was working on an endless series of discovery requests while sitting on my favorite chair. He was foam rolling on the floor while watching CNN. Rudy was snoozing away in the fluffy little bed he favored when we congregated in this part of the house. I stopped in the middle of drafting yet another objection to another absurdly inappropriate interrogatory to ask for the millionth time, Babe, are you sure I made the right decision? He knew exactly what I meant by the decision. He stopped foam rolling, put his hands on the floor, and craned his torso around to look at me. Look, I'm only going to say this one more time, he began. There are no two people on the planet that I have more faith in than us. And once more, I simply could not argue with my husband's logic.